0: Hello, it is 11 a.m. in New York, 5 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 10 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to this very special edition of Expat Happy Hour as we focus on intergenerational wisdom. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com, and I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I'm on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. You know that expression... You don't know what you don't know. That's pretty much how I felt when I began this interview. If you recall, I promised you something dramatically different back in episode 226, The Space Women Crave, where I dared to share what I believe. I believe that each woman has wisdom inside of her that is hard-earned, wisdom and experience that is underestimated at best, undervalued at worst. I ask you to imagine a world where women of all ages are respected for their wisdom and are seen as relevant, valuable, and forward-thinking, with safe spaces where it's okay to be wrong and they can lift each other up, bring each other closer, find power within themselves and among themselves, and be vulnerable, brave, authentic, and loved. This is all part of an invitation to momentarily hit pause on your demanding modern life opting instead to reflect share our stories as well as offer and receive support this is an invitation to discover and share our wisdom in ways that are expansive and nourishing we started this conversation in episode 227 of intergenerational wisdom with renee washington and today we are joined by helen jane grorick She joins us from Quebec, Canada. Helen has always been interested in questions of identity, self-definition, and social context. It's no surprise that she graduated from a liberal arts and Irish studies degree and went on to study Irish immigrant identity in a thesis in her master's at Concordia University. For most of her life, Helen struggled with body image issues, and the last few years have been a journey of self-love. And the realization of the fat phobic undertones of the society that we live in, which fueled her unhealthy relationship to her body. Now she supports others as they heal their relationship with themselves and flourish in their own identities. She joins me today to help me with my burning question. What do we discover when we get women across generations together and we have open and deeply honest conversations. So it is my absolute pleasure to have Helen Jane here representing the 20 somethings for this third episode, focusing on intergenerational wisdom. Now, Helen Jane is known, and I absolutely love this, as the warrior of worthiness. And in addition to that, she's a feminist life coach and blogger helping people realize what they deserve to unleash their positive life. So you can find her at Positive Life Project, but she is here with us today on Expat Happy Hour. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. So I have been waiting for this all day. (laughs) I'm so excited. So Helen Jane and I, we had a chat before this just to meet and connect. And we agreed at the end of that chat that we would go off (laughs) and secretly write down a few things. We're going to play a game. And we haven't shared notes yet. So I'm a 40-something. Helen Jane is a 20-something. And um, we're going to reveal a couple things. And the first thing we're going to reveal is what we secretly think about the other group, right? So I wrote down this morning, I wrote down what I secretly think about 20-somethings. <laughs> <laughs> so did you do your homework too? I did, yeah, I have a few. Oh, <laughs> oh man, okay, okay. So, so because I, am, I have no problem with um, shaming myself publicly, I'm gonna start <laughs> with the first. Okay. I wrote down, I had it way worse than you. Right. And then I wrote down MTV and I circled the name Pat Benatar and wrote underneath it spandex and high heels. And then I wrote underneath it, Robert Plant, chicks with guitars, all legs. So, (laughs) so I, that's what I wrote. I was like, I had it way harder than you because it took, you know, I had to wait for Tracy Chapman or Edie Brickell To finally show up on the scene, to finally represent a woman that wasn't very sexualized, right? In the media. So, what do you think about that? Does that surprise you? I just want to mention the name Britney Spears for my generation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As in, like, we, I think we all have, um, just to say, you know, that um, we had like child, like pop stars or teenage pop stars in our years, and MTV was still very, thing growing up and you know um all kind of like teenage drama like episodes like tv shows and such were in so Mm -hmm. i think that we all think that and that we all have Mm -hmm. those generations or even you know at that point christina aguilera who's now like changed completely and has you know evolved but back then all of those so i think that it's interesting i think we all had it hard and that's the part that's the that's going to be i think a core thing to to talk about
0: between the two
1: of us (laughs) you
0: totally stole my thunder damn it because you're right (laughs) Uh, so if i could go with mine yeah let me hear it i'm I'm so excited i
1: actually had this before we spoke okay Um, and the first thing i wrote is if i ever complain they've always had it harder
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you want to know it? Oh, really? Because number two was you had it better than I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you might have a point. (laughs) Say more, say more, say more. This is obviously valid. Yeah. The other
1: one, which I think that one is not as valid, but, and as I grow, I'm closer, I'm 30 now, just turned 30. But definitely when I was 20 is 40s and over have their stuff together. Like their life is all Mm -hmm. organized, Mm -hmm. planned. They're like set for life. Mm. That's another big one. Like they know everything that they want to know and they're just going to keep going in the same way uh, that they've gone.
0: Oh, I love hearing that. So the perception from the 20s is they've got their shit together. They know what they're doing. And now every single person in their thirties and forties is like, Oh my God. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. So good. Okay. And so I'm wondering what, what led you to that conclusion? Do you think?
1: I think that it's because when people who are in their forties that I've interacted with and, you know, even thirties and over, but let's say forties, um, seem to have it on the outside you know they're no longer talking about it I think because they think there's a taboo as well uh when you mm-hmm. get to to that age of being like oh I'm not sure what I want to do with my life or maybe I want to change careers or things like that so I think there's a lot more happening internally that they're not talking about especially mm-hmm. not in front of a 20 a year old I think maybe you know with mm-hmm. their friends it's different so I think that there's there's a big part of that and it's also you know my parents were around that you know it's all that The older generation that I just think, oh, well, like my mom had the same job for her whole life kind of thing. So and she was happy Mm -hmm. in it. And same thing with my father. So it's kind of that idea that this is what uh, that people have it together. And like, you know, they make their own dentist appointment. They go change their winter (laughs) tires. Like that (laughs) stuff that when you're 20, it's like, oh, like. I can't they're adulting consistently. (laughs) Well yeah, the thing you don't realize when you're twenty is that the people don't have a choice. (laughs) It's not like that they want to (laughs) necessarily. That's what I'm realizing now that I'm in my (laughs) thirties.
0: Totally. And we're just, if I, I'm not going to speak for my entire generation, but it's like, but we kind of get sick of adulting, you know, like we get Mm -hmm. really tired of adulting and that's what Netflix and wine usually is for to get (laughs) away from that. But I love that. That's so good. And you know what, when I hear you say that, that automatically resonates in a sense of if I'm talking to someone who's, let's say pretty early into university, you know, early twenties, Um, I want, I automatically kind of want to go into mentoring mode.
1: Yeah. Like I (laughs) want to nurture,
0: you know, I want to nurture and mentor and I, it wouldn't even occur to me to tell them that here's where I'm struggling or here's where we don't have it figured out. I would want to, I would want to take the wisdom I do have and, and share where that it could actually, and this is why we're having this conversation. Yeah, I think that is actually also sometimes not helpful. Because as I mentioned in my other podcast, I, this whole thing about intergenerational wisdom project, the fusion project came to me because I was sitting, having wine with my friends and thinking like when I was 20, I felt lied to by all the 40 year olds. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like what, what, like, why didn't you tell me this? You know? And I think we need to talk. (laughs) That's why we're doing it right now. Um, so that's really important. So I'm already learning something from you. Like if we, if we are in conversation with somebody who's in their 20 somethings, whether we're 30 something, 40 something, whatever. Right. Yeah. Also not just to use that mentoring or nurturing, but also bring, be transparent about what's hard. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I think that there's this idea that in front, especially of younger people, um, you have to look stronger and kind of I don't like to use the word weak because it's negative, Mm -hmm. but you know, you can't be weak. You have Mm -hmm. to have your stuff together. And if a 20 year old asks you a question about life as a 40 year old, I'm I'm, I'm imagining that you're like, I need to have the answer to this because I have, whereas you could be, you know what? I'm not sure. Like, uh, I don't know how to, you know, deal with that specific pain or grief or, you know, it's okay not to have it all figured out. And sometimes I think it would help the 20 year old to be like, okay. So it's, it's not just because I'm young and I don't know yet how I'm feeling. It's actually being human, <laughs> like the part of life, you know? And I think yes. it would take the pressure off. If you know that your mother, your grandmother, your sister, your aunt, who, and you know, cause you say out of those people, I don't interact a lot with people who are mm-hmm. over my age. Right. But even right. them, like knowing that they're also sometimes struggling and that it's okay to, to do that. Like you say that I'd be like more prepared when I get to 40. Right, like not
0: like gobsmacked when you got there going, why were these guys lying to me for 20 years? Right? Yeah, well, exactly. The, well, and this is, this is also really connected to the Wisdom Fusion Project because mm-hmm. all, some of our intergenerational relationships that are, are tied to our family. So there is your auntie doesn't want you to worry. Right. Your grandmother yeah. doesn't want you to understand what was going on behind <laughs> the scenes. Right. Like your mother, right. for sure, doesn't want you to know all this stuff. Yeah. And so when we don't have relationships across generations that are outside of our family context, we don't get to hear this. Oh, mm. so interesting. So that I'm I'm already taking away. That's mm-hmm. so and I I'm, And to me, I thought it came more from
1: a place of, oh, no, like she doesn't know what she's doing or something of a judgmental place. And the way you just talked about it is actually from a caring place, right? In a place mm-hmm. of, I don't want to put that on them. So that's also interesting to me, right? That it's not just me being judged as a 20 year old. Right. It's, and being lied to, I don't, you know, right. not intentionally, right. but it's actually comes from a good place. And you're right. Also something I'm, I'm taking away to stop thinking that people who are older than me are always judging and coming from a place of judgment and what they would do.
0: And is that tied, you know, before we, when we spoke the very first time briefly, you talked about, um, how even this question of wisdom and 20 something causes you to think like, do I have wisdom to share? Can you say more? Yeah, I now
1: am, I'm a part-time life coach, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. and it took me five years because I kept thinking I have nothing to say. Like, I'm 25 year old, like, what is someone older, or even my age going to get from me, right? I haven't lived enough. And I think it's from this idea that, yeah, when you're young, you don't have the experience. And in some ways, your feelings are not yet valid, because people keep telling you, it's because you're young, you're over emotional. That's one thing that I thought, from like, what 40 year olds think of 20 year olds Mm -hmm. was, they're -hmm. too emotional. And I was like, I don't know if it's too emotional, or just we're learning. And those Mm -hmm. feelings are still very real to me, but I keep Mm -hmm. being told that, you know, oh, well, you have it easier. So in some ways, I'm, you know, it's kind of that in-between phase of, well, I have those, but I'm not being heard necessarily. And that kind of, I think, is something we internalize as 20-year-olds and are like, okay, so obviously then I don't think I have wisdom at that Mm -hmm. point.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So if you don't think you have it, you're definitely not going to look for it and you're definitely not going to share it.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Right. Right. So it's a yeah. negative spiral. And then I'm also hearing you don't feel heard.
1: Well, I think that's a big thing. I, I was, that was one of the things I was thinking for our conversation, because mm-hmm. I have two nieces that are like pre-adolescent now. Yeah. And, um, you know, we know, all remember in our own way those times and those kind mm-hmm. of, yeah, feelings and hormones and everything changing. And I kind of hope, and I, my, I've talked to my sisters about this, they're great mothers, and they're both very good at validating their teenagers' feelings. And I think that's important because I think that's uh, also a trope we see of like the teenager that's like, nobody understands me. And I think Mm -hmm, that if we'd acknowledge mm -hmm. them and actually say, you know what, that breakup was hard. Like, I'm sorry you had to go through this. Instead of saying, Oh, don't worry. You'll have like eight more breakups before you find like the right person. It's like, but no, this Mm -hmm, is really mm -hmm. real. Whether you're 15, you're 25 or you're 55. These things are hard and that's the feelings you feel. And yes, I think when you're older, then you look back and you're like, okay, like this was maybe not that big of a deal, but back then, like you needed that to learn how to deal with it. You know,
0: that gave me chills because (laughs) what I'm hearing is, you know, when you, when you have a relationship with someone who is in a different generation, right. Might be in a different space and you have this wisdom it might not be appropriate to share yet, like validate before you encourage, and I'd say even like it's not a question of encourage,
1: it's just don't dismiss it, like you say don't replace dismiss. that that mm-hmm. val replace dismissal with validation, like yes, it is hard, and then I think like encouragement and mentoring like it's still it's still true that you have more life experience than me, mm-hmm. like I'm not taking that away, mm-hmm. and I do think that you know you have stuff that I can learn from, but it's more of a question of making sure it doesn't come off as you don't know what you're feeling at all. So let me tell you, rather than I know what you're going through. I, you know, I also mm-hmm. went through a breakup when I was 15 and it was difficult and all of those things kind of to create like a constructive rather than this barrier. And then maybe we'd have less teenage movies where it's like, nobody understands me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: totally, You know, oh, that's, <laughs> no, right. Like, don't dismiss, validate, like just, yeah shut and up same, and validate. Yeah.
1: And then I think <laughs> 20 year olds also need to do that more. I love it because I think that's something I do sometimes too. I dismiss because it's like, oh yeah, they had a tough, we know, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, right. let's, act- let's actually talk about why you think you had it hard and learn from it. But-
0: yeah. That's so, that's so exciting. God dang it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> let's see. I have, um so now that we've very much seen that I am exactly the 40 year old who thinks I had it. <laughs> Way worse than you, and my second was you have had it better than me. I just want to share what came underneath that. I couldn't believe this was the second thing because it was the it's the exact same thing but just said different way, right? (laughs) But what I wrote it was like you have more space as a woman to be Mm -hmm. more than beautiful or smart. You don't have to undo as much sexist, racist, transphobic shit Mm -hmm. as I had to. As a, you know, as a kid and young adult, um, you have so many more and wider, varied narratives of what's available to you. So that is what was behind that statement. Yeah. And I know you're going to tell me that it's not that <laughs> simple. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is all it's, it's going to be
1: on both sides and it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that you're absolutely right in uh, that. I don't think we had it easier necessary mm-hmm. I don't like that I first of all and like I think we were both on the this wavelength but just for the listeners like what I hate about all of this is competition mm-hmm. why does it have to be competition mm-hmm. so you know that's basically what we're always talking about like why do you have to have it harder than me to be mm-hmm. more important kind of thing but right. so I do think that you're right on so many points that would be interesting to see I don't think my generation uh dismisses that and I don't mm-hmm. think we go around saying, no, you you actually had it easier as a woman uh, mm-hmm. in the 80s or 90s even. I don't think that. I think the difference is the difficulty for us is more in the fact that we have been awoken. We have been made aware. So when we live it, it's much more difficult because we have to deal with it's still very present and also then kind of still say no sexism is still a thing the patriarchy is still messing up everybody men and women Mm -hmm. and Mm non-binary people so Mm -hmm. let's take the next step because so many people now are like oh well this is in the past so now we can just celebrate so I think you're absolutely right and I don't think someone my generation would question that I think what Mm -hmm. we'd still say is that it was still difficult because I grew up, you know, being labeled as the tomboy because I love to play sports. And that affected Mm -hmm. me a lot, you know, because whenever I wore makeup or heels, even in high school, people would be like, oh, that's not you. Like, that's so weird. Why are you doing that? Which is why now for me, wearing makeup, like, is part of a ritual that's super important because it's affirming that I can be more masculine and still want Mm -hmm. to wear makeup, right? It's not a superficial idea. So I think that you're absolutely right that you had it in some ways harder, but And that sounds horrible, but it's this idea that if you're not aware of it as much, it's easier to live in, you know, it's not, it's not good. But I, I was, I kind of became a feminist when I was around 22, really, and I could just like try to go through a family meeting or, you know, family reunion (laughs) and I was like, woo. Like I need to prepare myself (laughs) mentally. Am I actually going to go there? Am I not going to go there? And, you know, for a long time I was quoted like the feminist in the family. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm still Helen. I just Mm -hmm. have those, Mm -hmm.
0: like, I've just been, my eyes have been open now. So. Right. I hear that. I hear that. Like I could get away with those family meetings because I was oblivious to some of the stuff that went on. Right. Even though there was always a small voice in my in my body, where I was like, "No, nah, that ain't right." Yeah, <laughs>
1: like, yeah. And I think that, in, okay. yeah. And I think that's why, like, I we were lucky in this sense that mm-hmm. we've had the tools to, mm-hmm. you know, to improve. And also, isn't it a good thing? Like, why does it mm-hmm. have to be a competition? Like, I'm happy, and I hope right. that my nieces in the future will have to deal with a lot less shit than even I had to deal with. And that's going right. to be a that's good thing. thing. Like, let's not make them feel bad. Okay, I have shared two. Tell me which one you have. Okay, so the first one is kind of, is forties are more conservative. Okay, tell me more. <laughs> well, like, like I think it's great. This is not planned. Like, you couldn't tell, but these were not planned. Like, you didn't know my yep. answer, but we, right. we just talked about of um, if I if I'm meeting someone who's a bit older. First of all, I'll make sure I'm not swearing. just to make sure right like because oh like I know some people um and I'm a rugby player I can swear a lot (laughs) so so there's that but also then there's this kind of assumption that I might be a bit more mellow about my if if we're at a conference um or something at a lecture and after you know Mm -hmm. people talk or whatever there's wine and cheese after if it's someone who's a bit older, I might not be as honest with, well, I think maybe that was problematic or quite the opposite. Like, Oh, I love this woman. Like she's just such a great example of, you know, like messing up the patriarchy and all those things and saying those, Mm -hmm. those keywords of like problematic and patriarchy and emotions Mm -hmm. that I think I'm more careful
0: because I don't know. So you actually, yeah. So, so because you're assuming they're going to be more conservative, you actually don't share fully who you yeah,
1: are. Yeah, I just kind of – I'm more – I filter myself more.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that means we miss out on a huge portion of you.
1: Yeah. And I think also it's not true necessarily.
0: <laughs> but I, you know what I have to say? I do the exact same thing with you because I would think, well, I should probably behave myself. <laughs> I should probably act respectable. I should probably, you know, act my age. That's I wonder, so like- you know, like you, you, I should be a good role model.
1: Yeah, right. What like- does it mean to act your
0: age? I don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> like- <laughs> good question. I love that. That's see, that's something that surprises me. I'd never know that. Yeah. So I wrote down those two things, which were basically the same thing. And then I was like, no, Sunday, go positive. Like, right. think about something positive. <laughs> so I then I wrote down and I'm like, I'm really excited for you, what you can create and experience in your life with this expanded potential. I am envious and I'm grateful that you're more aware about the environment around equity, right. around flexibility, all of those things. So there is, there is also a joy that I tapped into really looking forward to Mm -hmm. seeing what, you know, the 20 something group does as they move forward in the world with that awareness. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of potential.
1: Yeah.
0: How does that land for you?
1: I think that's beautiful. And I think that's like the good way of, kind of the re- you've just reversed, you know, the, the negative things that mm-hmm. we've talked about is that's how it should be, right? Like, in that way, in a way, you acknowledge that your life, you you grew up differently than I did. But it not in that doesn't have to be a negative thing. And that yes, I mm-hmm. am young, and I still have stuff to learn. And I but it's all said in a more positive way. And I think that's, that's beautiful. And it's constructive. Like, that's the point is that mm-hmm. it's not putting me down, or bring yourself up. It's just, Like, yeah, looking forward to it, Um, which I really like that.
0: So that was, but I had to get through the first two to get there. (laughs) You need to vent first and then like, okay, let's get to (laughs) Do you have another one? Before we dive into the um, what I think 20-somethings think about 40-somethings, do you have another one?
1: Well, actually, it kind of, uh, it wasn't, uh, it goes a bit in the same vein. While I was thinking about all those things, I, I wrote down. I wish I could actually have a conversation about what they went through in a productive and non-judgmental way on both sides with no competition. So like, what? Because so I think it's so interesting, right? And I wish. And some now, I I wish that when my grandmother um, was there and told me, you know, oh, you had it easier than me. That if, but I can't because I was too young. But I would have been. How then? Like, tell me about it. Yeah. Why? What did you go through? And let me understand yeah. this.
0: Without having that negative like you had it mm-hmm. easier than me kind of mm-hmm. and and keeping the divide. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. ties it ties to my fourth one. It actually really ties to my fourth one. And um I I, what I wrote <laughs> there's I something of a chip on my shoulder. I really don't, <laughs> but this is honestly what came out. You could learn something from my generation who has done stuff without technology. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's what I wrote. And then I put um like let's go retro, like pre digital romance, connecting, traveling, um, like and and here's what it really was. And then I wrote this down. I wrote, I have something to offer. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what that really is about is I want to be seen as relevant. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. It was like you don't want to feel
1: like a relic from the old mm-hmm. age of. Mm-hmm. Prior to all of those things. And I think you still are relevant. I think Mm -hmm. that it goes beyond technology. The fact that you didn't grow up with a phone doesn't mean that you're no longer relevant because it's life experiences. I don't think it's the actual phone that makes the difference. It's everybody goes through heartbreak. Everybody goes through grief. Everybody goes through, you know, body image issues. If we want to talk about that too, right? We all go through it. The way we went through it is going to be different and altered by technology, but you definitely still have something to prove but I think that yeah. focusing on the difference and that past that no longer exists like I'm sorry right I know it's right. a tough subject for a lot of people to admit right. but it's gone like I get it right but I think that demonizing technology and saying that it's the root of all evil and of why mm-hmm. things are bad now isn't useful for anyone because yeah then that makes you that makes it feel dated rather than just no like I actually remember dating when you know there wasn't like you say. It wasn't online right. and all those things. Like it's, not... <laughs> but um, it's yeah. Crazy. But I'd, oh, God. I... I'd say I would say that people idolize the past too much, and I know I already do it uh, myself with uh with my friends. But you know the, this you see all those things everywhere. Like oh, like prior to phones, people would talk to each other, and I was like, no, they didn't. Like you wouldn't talk to a stranger. <laughs> but also, it's this idea that listening to music or what I do when I have earphones in, I actually listen to podcasts, which is basically radio. Mm-hmm, and it's like right. that, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let's not judge people when you don't know what's what's up, you know. And when-
0: that's hysterical. It's called the radio. You might yeah. know it. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Okay, <laughs> I've got, so I want to dive into what I think twenty somethings yes. think about forty somethings, and then so I started <laughs> making a list, and everything started with maybe, because the honest, because I have no idea. Like to be honest, I have no idea. So I wrote maybe. They think I'm out of touch. Maybe they think I'm losing relevance. Maybe they think I'm losing power. Um, but what I want them to know is that what I've seen at 40-somethings is inc- finding their power, reclaiming their voice, increasing confidence, and and more self-confidence. Um, there's one more thing I wrote down, but I want to see how, how that lands with you.
1: Mm. I don't wanna to put too much of my life coach hat on, but I feel mm-hmm. like that kind of reveals a lot maybe of your insecurities, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it goes back as, to the as, idea as a of relevance. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Relevance. It's about yeah. relevance completely. Yeah. And that's where I went back up to the other statement. And I wrote in, I have something to offer. Like there's mm-hmm. something I did not even know mm-hmm. this was there until I did this. Yeah. Cause if you notice,
1: nothing that I said has to do with relevance. Right. So nothing that came up actually had Mm. to do with that. So that wasn't even a question for me, but of course you have relevance and of course you're important to me. And your experience is important. I wouldn't be where I'm at if women who are older wouldn't have been where they're at. So that was never, it's so, that's why I think Mm -hmm. it's interesting because I think it's (laughs) totally, I had no idea that was there. What about your list? So mine only had two, but it was like I said earlier, uh, Twenty-year-olds are too emotional. Hmm. Um. And then the second one is they take themselves too seriously.
0: Mm, Interesting. Those two I would never think about. <laughs> really? <laughs> I would think like they don't take each themselves seriously enough and emotional. I don't even know if I would go there. <laughs> really? Yeah. Not
1: even on my radar. I feel. I feel like when I was twenty, I was like, oh, I need to decide everything now and. I'm, you know, um, I don't know. I'm, I don't know where it came. The too emotional, I think, just comes from being told always like, okay, you need to. Also, I'm obviously a very loud person and who is emotional. So maybe I was just told that in me, my mm-hmm. experience. But this idea that, um, you know, you're just done adolescence when you're turning 20. You're a lot of people are maybe going to university or starting jobs and such. And it's kind of that. In between land where you're dealing with professors who are older but you're still young and still have those breakouts of frustration Mm -hmm. and everything Um, yeah and then taking themselves too seriously I think that it's just because sometimes it's every decision is kind of a life decision what you what you decide to major in is not the end of the world if you change that like you can can chill it's (laughs) fine
0: Right. But right. it can feel like it's going to change the yeah. trajectory of your life. Yeah. yeah well, and that's
1: that. what I mean by like, you f- think it's the end of the world that one, mm-hmm. every small decision is like the the biggest thing. The other
0: thing I wrote down, this is the last thing I wrote down is um, what I think 20 somethings think about 40 somethings. We can't be friends. Mm. Well, it's like, so if you're 20 something and you meet a 40 something, you connect, you would never think, well we let i'm going to call her i'm going to message her or i'm going to meet her for coffee like are intergenerational friendships n- a given or are they not they don't even come to mind right like yeah. there's yeah. you know what i mean Absolutely. like why not yeah yeah
1: i actually came to the same conclusion but the other way around also i thought really? if a 40 year old come like meets a 20 year old i think that that mentor mode comes in and they're like, I can't learn anything from them because I've already been 20. I've been there. I know Mm -hmm. what they're going through. So I can't learn anything really from them. So let me be a mentor. So, and whereas Mm -hmm. mentorship and friendship are two very different things, right? Right. Um, Right. The dynamic is so different and less one way. When it's friendship, it goes two ways. Um, And it's not a question of always being like, well, maybe you shouldn't have said that or, you know, be careful. Like don't stay up too late. Don't drink too much. Kind of in mom mode a little more. That's what I thought. I was like, I don't know if a 40 year old would accept my advice as easily. Right.
0: So I think that mentorship, that age gap gets in the way. I -hmm. think we're missing out. I think we're missing out. Right. Like I read you as a really mature, you know, now that you you turned 30 on the weekend we talked or whatever, but like you're, you've got a lot of life experience and maturity. And I think we're missing out. Both sides are missing out when we don't open ourselves. Um, the friendship across generations. You've already shared so much wisdom, I can't even handle it. This was great. But I want to go more into your story now. Our listeners don't know much behi- you know about you besides mm-hmm. the fact that you've got this great project about the puzzle life project. You are a feminist life coach, worrier of worthiness, but you've you've had a lot of life events only in your you know what I mean in, in the years yeah. that you've come that are that would be enough for two lifetimes right like you've you've fought bulimia you 've had battles with worthiness you 've had struggles conceiving and you 've done what what a lot of people are doing like managing your own job and investing in your professional development, looking ahead to the future so I would just love to dive in a little bit about your story and you can you can maybe start to tell a little bit of your story in terms of when was your first struggle that you knew, hey, this is going to this is going to occupy some of my energy?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that my first struggle uh, was with body image issues. They started when I was five. So <laughs> At five? You know, yeah, because I think a lot of, you know, there's a lot of statistics that says even, you know, 10 uh, year old girls now, I don't know the percentage, but are on diets and stuff. Um, so I was just always aware I was a chubby kid. And I come from a family that is genetically very tall, but very thin, naturally thin. And my mother mm-hmm. and my father, and my father was an athlete, a runner, uh, and even you know my grandmother on his side and everything. So um, I always had this idea that I was a bit different because I naturally didn't look that way. And it was kind of always, and it wasn't, uh, I didn't grow up in a family that fat shamed me, not openly, right? I think we all have those, Uh, fat phobia and like super negative comments about um, fatness. But that's not it wasn't directed to me. My mother never put me on a diet. My mother never made me feel bad for eating anything. Like there wasn't like a restricted foods like you're not allowed to eat this. Whereas your brothers and sisters can eat this because you know, that was never part of the conversation. But there was always an awareness that I was a bit bigger, I guess, than the rest of my family. So even as a kid, people kept saying, Oh, you know, like the it's the baby fat, it'll come off at one point. I was like, it, my cheeks are have never... It's now come off. <laughs> like My cheeks... Mm-hmm, right. I have a round face, you know? And it's just like always mm-hmm. there. And now I love it. But uh, So even when I was young and then high school hit, um, I was bullied a lot when I was in uh, the elementary school. And then I went to high school and I had a really good time. Luckily, I went to a school that was very good for people who liked to read, who liked to be intellectual and liked school. Um, and then yeah just going through all that phase, we didn't have a lot of money, and the school was a private school, although where i I live, private school doesn't mean the same thing as in America uh, mm-hmm. as in the states, uh, so it's partly funded from the government. Um, but you know all of those those years of trying to understand yourself and again, I hang out with I hung out with all of the sports uh, kids and a lot of them were tall, lean girls um, who did sports, so I was always I always felt a bit left out and a bit different. And uh, luckily, I found rugby, um, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm very jealous that you're in South Africa.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good place for rugby. Yeah,
1: it is a very good place for rugby. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time that I actually felt like the fact that I had big thighs and was a bit bigger was a good thing. It's a good thing to be powerful. And it's a sport that's great because you need all body types for rugby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's something that you need people that are tall and lean, that have long legs to run really fast. And then you have people who can be shorter shorter. And a Mm -hmm. bit bigger because you need the the physicality of those bodies. Um, So, yeah, it kind of fluctuated. And then, you know, I went to a higher level at rugby and I got concussions, which Mm. back then were not the same as dealt with the same way. So I had to stop all that to say I had to stop. And I was at a very high level where I would train with the team, you know, four days a week. I had a nutritionist at one point to try and bulk up and everything. And then it's going from back to not being able to do any movement because I had two concussions within three months.
0: Oh, terrible! So,
1: a lot of the weight that I had—I hadn't even lost weight. I never lost weight. I've never been—you know—I was just very mm-hmm. in shape, uh, but mm-hmm. I was always a bit uh, a bigger, and I just—it just became, yeah, it just became fat instead of muscle, and that kind of started the downwards. I had always hated my body and how I looked and wished I was smaller, and then that just started mm. the downward spiral of of that, and then I started university. So that- Mm-hmm. And when you start university, it's kind of the, and then that's what bulimia is all about. It's the lack of control. A lot of eating disorders have to do with lack of control. So you're starting a brand new, mm-hmm. I was, I changed cities. I went to Montreal, a bigger city, and I was losing control. I felt like I didn't have control on things, even though I did, but I was an overachiever and mm-hmm. putting way too much pressure on myself. Uh, right. And so, yeah, I started being, doing, uh, you know, making myself purge, as we say, and, uh, and all of that.
0: I think it's important that people understand the connection between eating disorders. It's actually about control and not about food, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's yeah. about it's about societal pressure, self-image, right? Yeah. That's, that's and, so and that connected. you can be bigger and still have an eating disorder. Right. right? Exactly. It has
1: nothing to do with your size. Because exactly. people I would tell, you know, if I had told I don't know as much but same thing with anorexic, right? People who are like, "Oh, I I I was anorexic." Like, "Well, no you weren't. Look at how like you weren't you weren't small." And it's like that has nothing to do with it. Like, nothing thank to do you it. for not telling me what it is or it isn't. I know what it is or isn't, right?
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. So tell yeah. me about so that is something that you've battled and have overcome. Um yeah. how is that connected to struggle with worthiness? Right.
1: So I think that it was always that I wasn't enough because society was telling me that my body type is being judged because if you're overweight, and I'm doing in quotes here, uh, according to, size, to society, you don't deserve to be treated as well as someone who's thinner. That's mm-hmm. what fat phobia is all about: is this idea that oh, this person is fat because they're not disciplined, because they don't take care of themselves. Well, if they don't value their own lives, then why should I? Or you know, in an interview, people, someone will be judged because of the way they look, and there's already that idea of oh, well yeah, exactly. Like this person doesn't deserve it as much. I'm lucky enough, always have been within, I'm usually a large, right, Um, in size, so I can go to normal, again, in quotes, stores. So it's just telling people that they're not worthy of your respect, of your attention, of anything, because, oh, well, and then telling them, you have to go to a different store where it's like, more than half of the population, right? <laughs> that's right. the other part right. of it that's so frustrating. It's like small to large is really not much difference when it comes to different sizes. Like it's crazy to me. It's wild that this is what uh, people think is the normal size. I don't think normality, anyways. I think you've understood by now. I hate yeah. that word, norm- right. normal. But uh, it's this idea that, yeah, I'm not worthy enough. And, you know, if I'm not. Thinner, then I'm not worthy of having a boyfriend or having friends or going out or looking pretty or being told I'm pretty, just pretty. Not, I think, even though you're so pretty, even though, you know, and it's like, no, I'm just Mm -hmm. pretty. Mm -hmm. And I'm not Mm -hmm. brave for not wearing like, for wearing a sleeveless shirt. I'm just wearing a sleeveless shirt because it's 40 degrees Celsius in Montreal in the summer. And believe me, like, if we could all be wearing swimsuits around, we Mm -hmm. would, right? Because it's so warm. So,
0: So I want to tie that because the thing is, is around this concept of worthiness. And this is, we're talking about body image. This could be about, um, it could be about whether your gender identity is accepted. Mm -hmm. It could be about whether your racial identity is accepted. It could be about whether your level of academic performance is accepted, Mm -hmm. whether, you know, it could be about so many things, right? It's, there's narratives that we have and either you fit them or you don't. And when you're outside of the narrative, their struggle, and your so many messages give you subtly or not yeah. around worthiness or not. So yeah. I'm interested in how do you, what is the work behind defining your own worthiness when you when you when you know you're not going to get external validation. Mm-hmm. What is the process for you that you've gone through, right? that has helped you validate yourself, right? Because I would yeah. say another synonym for worthiness is internal validation. Right. Tell me where I'm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So this is relevant across generations, right? Because I, I work with yeah. a lot of women in their forties and fifties, and they're struggling for worthiness, self-worthiness, right? Absolute, and this is yes. where your wisdom, I think is going to come in. What, and I don't know if you have this at the tip of your tongue, but if you look back on your own journey, what were the steps that you took back to reclaim worthiness? I think the
1: biggest tip I can give, and like you said, I think that's actually something, now that I think of it, that an older, the older generations would really benefit from our younger generation. That idea that we are worthy because you get now, I'm thinking again of my nieces who are much younger and they've been told by their moms, right? And by society, not everyone at all, right? I still think we live in a patriarchal system, but I think it's much better at telling you that you are worth it for who you are inside, like you said, not just Mm -hmm. the appearance, but who Mm -hmm. you are inside. And I think I'm realizing now with some of my clients that are older than me, that my goodness, were you told your whole life that you were only your body? Like, that's Mm -hmm. crazy to me that, you know, and Mm -hmm. it it was your body according to men, even if you're, you know, even if you're a gay woman or someone who's non-binary, the point is always through the vision of the white male. So I do, I just wanted to parenthesis that I think that that's something that older generations could learn from younger generations right. and why sometimes social media is good. It's good to take a selfie when you feel good. Like, mm-hmm. good for you for taking that picture mm-hmm. and saying, you know what, I'm cute today. Like, yep. why, why be ashamed of that? So I'd say the biggest tip, tip that really, that helped me uh, was the very simple question of, how would I talk to a friend if they mm-hmm. thought what I was thinking? Or mm-hmm. would I ever speak the way I speak to myself I would to a friend? And I never would.
0: How do you, but how do you make that happen in your everyday? Like we're both coaches and we know yeah. that, that concept is there, but how do you, yeah. how would you help someone integrate that into their life pragmatically? So they're actually yeah. doing it.
1: I think that the first step, uh, I, I didn't write it down. Some people like to write it down is just to do a bar or realize like a, literally a mark on a paper or realize mm-hmm. when you're thinking a negative thought about yourself. Because before mm-hmm. even going to feeling you're worthy and telling yourself that, you need to realize how much of an enemy you are to yourself and how much mm-hmm. you've been treating yourself badly. Because we hear that, but people don't realize it. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: I di- I did it on my phone, <laughs> technology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like I took notes and I just put you know a one, two, three, and then at the end of the day, I saw that I had every time I had a negative thought, and I had like more than twenty five. Mm-hmm. And it can be a small wow. thing like oh. Like, of course, you can't do that. Or, oh, like, I don't look good today. Oh, I feel so horrible. Of course, I didn't get, you know, the grade I wanted. I was when you're 20. And, oh, like, of course, this guy didn't really ask you out or whatever. Or Mm -hmm. even in conversation with others, you know, you hear a friend who's doing great. And, of course, you compare and you're like, well, I could never do that because I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And all of those. And then you write them down. It usually takes two or three days until you realize, like, my goodness, like, why am I being so harsh on myself?
0: Mm -hmm. Totally yeah so the first step is noticing your thoughts when you're being hard on yourself,
1: yeah and kind of and then the that's how the brain works. If you realize you you start noticing your thought before your brain goes into the pathways it's built of habits of oh, once we think that thought, let's like go in the downward spiral that never ends to the point where you like just deserve to be living alone in a dark corner with talking to no one right that's usually where where it is so if you if you notice it first then you can Mm -hmm. stop it and you can say wait would i be talking Mm -hmm. to like if i a, a friend of mine was saying these things would i respond the way so first it's noticing it to then be able to change the neural pathways so that your brain can get used to not saying that and then it's also to vocalize it it's not an overnight thing it took me more than six years I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't bulimic for luckily too long, but I always say I'm a recovering bulimic because it's always there. Mm -hmm. It's never something that's Mm -hmm. going to leave me. Um, Mm -hmm. But it took me a good five or six years before I went to a place where I was actually comfortable with my body. And to a point where I could tell people around me, like, can we stop talking about your diet? I'm sorry, but like I'm trying to get over this idea that diets Mm -hmm. are the way and that weight loss is always a good thing, right? If a friend, especially at the beginning of your twenties, I think it's always like that. But when you're just starting university, the like freshman 15, you know, being afraid of gaining weight because Mm -hmm. you're changing so many things. And this idea that, oh, I lost weight. Oh, good for you. It's like, no, can we like, how? why is it important for you to lose that weight? And it's because it gives Mm -hmm. you a sense of worthiness. It's like, yes, see, I'm disciplined. I can do this. And it's like, that's actually not how it works because you can lose as much weight as you want. But if you don't actually believe you deserve to be happy now, which is another big part of of my life coaching is we can work to make you better, better. I don't like but you know, get to point from point A to point Mm -hmm. B, sure. But you would need to start by letting yourself be happy now.
0: Now, absolutely. Absolutely. And then sure, we can work on stuff. But you need to because
1: what if you you're aren't able what if your body can't change, right? You can try Mm -hmm. as much as you want. But maybe that's just your natural normal weight. And I know it can sound frustrating. But weight loss isn't always is not the answer to happiness right.
0: There's or anything else i think
1: out. the point is that you just have to learn that i'm worth i think another word is also deserve it right? i deserve to be happy if, if for some people worthy doesn't work mm-hmm. it's like you deserve to be happy you deserve to be heard even if you're like you say you're a woman or you're a person of color or you're non-binary like you deserve to have a, your voice heard
0: Absolutely. And you know, one of the things that when we talk about worthiness, I don't, this was not on my radar at your age. It wasn't, this idea of even worthiness didn't come up. And maybe when Brene Brown started talking about it, like it didn't Mm -hmm. even have a word for it. Right. And you know, self-esteem was around self-confidence, but that's like a totally different level, right? Worthiness goes way deeper. And one of the things I've learned, I'm, I'm right now I'm doing a group. And we're talking about self-compassion, the difference between Mm self-criticism and self-compassion. And one of the things I think is important is um, understanding common humanity, how we, that everyone struggles, Exactly. that failure is inevitable, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, where do we get this idea that we can't avoid failure? Where do we get this idea that, you know, you're struggling more than everybody else? And I always, I don't get it. I say it in every other podcast you are not alone. Like, I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many people when they come to me for my first like session, they almost start crying because they're like, oh my God, you get it. And I'm not alone. I'm like, I've been screaming that from the <laughs> rooftops, you know, like, yeah. I, but we don't, we don't, we have to let it in our bodies that we, people struggle and it's part of being human. Yeah, right? And I think
1: we have to talk about it though, right? It mm-hmm. comes back to kind of at the beginning, what we were saying about a 40 year old not wanting to talk about it to a 20 year old. Whereas maybe if I'd known that someone around me who was a bit older was also struggling with it, it would have made me feel less alone, but we are told we're not allowed to, right? It's kind of just, we have to be strong all the time.
0: What if they were struggling with something that you haven't even encountered yet and you were Mm -hmm. supporting them. And then 15 years later, it started to happen to you. Exactly, that would change everything. Yeah, right. Because yeah. you loved that friend in that moment that you were supporting yeah. them, mm-hmm. and you saw clearly what was happening. And because of that experience from a place of love, when you got there, you would be able to extend that courtesy to yourself in a much better way. Totally. So I know that our time is is yes. coming to a close. I want. I'm curious if there's um, something important that you want to leave. Our listeners, with that we haven't discussed, or something important that you want to emphasize. I think that what we are both coming to the conclusion is
1: that we always all have our struggles, and that it's never over. <laughs> um, and that you know, like you said, we're all we've all had some difficulties, and we'll keep doing it. And that um, yeah, sharing it is important. Like you said, quickly, and we don't need to go in depth. But you know, we've had I've had issues with trying to conceive for over a year and that's another thing society just doesn't tell us about and during that time mm-hmm. all of the work I'd done with body love for myself a lot of it was put it I kind of like took steps back because it was again feeling like my body and myself were two different things rather than working together so it's just I was just that just to say that it's normal that we you know we have our ups and downs and that I think yeah we should be gentle and look to friends hopefully now we can find friends. We we can be friends, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but find other people to, to help yourself get through it. And let's just all admit together that life is tough, man, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and totally. that we can just rather than compete, it's really a, more of a question of, of learning from each other and being open on both sides for, like you said, you're the West with the wisdom.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. I know, I've learned so much today. Thank you. I've also learned a lot today. As you can see, Helen Jane is amazing. If you want to know more about her, we have shared where to find her in the show notes. And she promotes health at every size, a feminist framework, and she encourages everyone to stop waiting before making big changes and decisions in order to be happy now. So check her out at the positive life project.com And stay tuned next week because I have a special treat for you. Each woman from the series is coming back for us to have a four-way conversation about what they've learned and what new questions have emerged, plus a few more surprises. This is all part of something much bigger, what I'm calling the Wisdom Fusion Project. As you know, in June, my business celebrates its eighth business birthday. And so I can celebrate. I am offering a gift to my community and also a gift to myself. This is an intimate, an invitation only, limited space, six-week intergenerational learning experience among women. You can learn more by going to the link Wisdom Fusion in the show notes. There is no cost, but again, spots are limited. So do apply if you feel called. It's certain to be transformative. What we're looking forward to is discovering new facets of yourself, learning from other women's hard-earned wisdom, sharing your journey and supporting others who just might need it. Discover that you're not alone in your challenges. Become part of an intergenerational community of women to call upon in the future for support and redefine womanhood on your own terms. Check it out. You're invited. Apply because spots are going to fill fast. You've been listening to a very special episode of Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Schneider Bean. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with the thoughts from Daisaku Keda, a Japanese Buddhist philosopher, educator, and author. Dialogue starts from the courageous willingness to know and be known by others.